we must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey, and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Hey everybody, this is Brandon. Thanks for listening to the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. This episode was recorded live at Smart Success PT Live 2018 at the Wyndham Grand in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And we had the chance to talk with Dr. Kyle Rice again to chat about what Kyle's learned about being an effective test-taking coach, along with some other things regarding the MPTE, since we had last had him on the podcast. Now, for those of you who have not heard of Kyle Rice, he is the founder of the PT Hustle, which is an online consulting and board examination prep company focused on helping physical therapists pass the NPTE. And he is also the host of the Dominating the NPTE with Kyle Rice and the NPTE Clinical Files podcasts. Now, for this episode, we did have a little background noise that we were unable to completely clean up. So we do apologize for that. But without further ado, here's our chat with Kyle. Well, Kyle, you know, first I got to admit, thank you so much for coming back and joining. You are now a two-time HUT podcast guest. And before we dive into stuff, of course, as well, with us being at SSPT Live, what is the biggest takeaway that you've gotten from the talks or collaboration this weekend thus far? You know, I, I must say that, you know, the one thing that I haven't really been paying attention to has been, you know, this whole trading time for money. And I really feel like that was a major theme of this one. It's like, you know, being in that employee uh, state where you're just constantly like, oh, I'm going to see a patient and then that's going to get me the money, you know, type thing. You're just trading time for money overall. But that's not overall like what a lot of people are looking for. They're looking for the ability to spend time doing the things that they love, like spending time with their family and so forth. Well, you can't do that if you're always trading time for money. So having that residual income, passive income is super important and ways that you could do that, online courses. And that's what we're hearing about a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. So of course, Kyle, with you know your subject matter of expertise being the NPTE and test prep and even mentoring and coaching for that. So since we've last chatted, have there been any, any big changes that the NPTE has overall gone through for perhaps newer students or upcoming students that are gonna be taking this exam in the near future to be aware of? Yeah, I would say that the big changes have already been done. You know, the the 2018 uh, major changes that we spoke about last time. Uh, The big change that's coming up for this July exam and moving forward is the changes in the blood pressure guidelines. All right. And so 
we're, we had those old guidelines that most people are familiar with up until this point. Um, right now in your textbooks, you have those old guidelines that are not gonna be on the 2018 July exam. So it's really important that you, uh, you could type it into Google, just go 2018 new blood pressure guidelines. Uh, the American College, uh, Cardiology Association is where you can really go um, to get a lot of uh, great information about those blood pressure guidelines. So I recommend that you just take a look at those new ones. Make sure you familiarize yourself with that because it will be coming up on the new exam. Awesome. Uh, Kyle, the Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapy is responsible for creating the NPTE. And from your perspective, what is kind of the structure that the Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapy uses in creating the test? So the FSBPT is... The, the, the way that they do it is they do this thing called the analysis of practice. And what they do is they're really trying to analyze or survey the entire PT profession to determine, like, what are we really seeing in the field of physical therapy? You know, what is the proportion? Are we seeing a lot more orthomusculoskeletal? Is it neuromuscular? And so when they survey all the PTs, they're able to see those proportions, are able to see what we're actually seeing as far as conditions as well. That is what gives the test creators, I should say the people who make the actual questions themselves, that gives them direction as to what questions they should be really developing in these you know, different sessions, they, what they call the workshops. Okay, all right, and you know, and Kyle, a criticism that I've heard from others about the NPT is that you know, some of these questions are not based on current best evidence and rather outdated paradigms. Now first, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? And what are the limitations, if there are any, to creating test questions for an exam of this type? Yeah, so, you know, there is that debate about outdated paradigms, and really we have to look at what is that truly, though? Because a lot of people are saying that they're outdated paradigms or making judgments after the exam when they're not really remembering the questions well or, you know, something along the lines of that. So there's a lot of just judgment from you know, not really seeing the question in front of you and what it's truly asking and what they're, you know, going off of. So that's really important for us to really define what it is that the questions are talking about and what are these outdated paradigms. But let's take into account the whole blood pressure guidelines. You know, those just came out, those changes are there, but yet they are switching those. So it's not the fact that we're using all these outdated uh, pieces of research. They are changing it, um, but we also have to take into the account that it really is every five years that we're really changing up the, the what they call the blueprint and the content schedule and so forth. We can't do that every single day. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to make these tests standardized. So I think that that's also really important to take a look at. So Kyle, I know this is kind of difficult, but I'm gonna ask you to take off your test coaching hat for a minute and instead put on your clinician hat. From your perspective as a clinician, you know, looking back to when you were studying for the NPTE and, and kind of first started out in the clinic after graduation, how do you feel you approached the test and what do you feel were, were your biggest strengths uh, for studying methods and habits when prepping to take the NPTE? Yeah, I, I would really say looking back, um, the biggest study strategy that was the most effective was 
bite-sized pieces, I would say that that was really the foundation of my study approach. It wasn't necessarily trying to sit down and learn everything in one specific sitting or take eight hours to learn something. It was really like chunking it down, figuring out what were my actual weaknesses that I had from the practice exams or whatever, and then capitalizing on those by, okay, you know, I'm taking these four different topics. This is exactly what I'm like trying to get out of it or what I'm trying to make sure that I know by the time I'm finished reading up about it and then moving on to the next set. But what I see um, now putting back on my coaching hat is that um, what people are doing is they're studying for long periods of time, like eight hours and trying to cover like 30 different topics in a day. All right. I'm sorry. I went back to the coaching side, but yeah, it's, it's ingrained we'll in me. It. <laughs> oh, but that's okay because you know what, though? We're going to put that, we're going to put, take that hat off and then put the clinician one back on here just for a second. All because, right. you know, again, I want you to think back to when you first started your career as a clinician, first six months to a year out. What do you feel were the biggest limitations of the NPTE? Yeah, I would say the, the biggest limitations are really involving like more that practical part. I mean, the, the practical part is not really there. So it, it's, it's really hard to determine whether you really know the information or applying the information well, if you're not able to actually show the stuff. Um, a lot of times that we can guess on things and get questions right. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we know what we're doing or whether we would do it right in the right circumstances. Um, and so I think that that's a huge limitation of the MPTE. Um, and also the fact that, well, you know, we're looking at a standardized exam and there's only so many things that we can test on a standardized test. Right. That's a great transition into our next question, but do you believe, and if so, how do you believe that the NPTE should change to contribute to improving the entry level skill set or knowledge base for physical therapists? Yeah. And I think that goes back to what I was exactly saying, you know, um, that if we added in that practical component, you would have to show a lot more than just clicking a button on a, on a computer screen and getting a right answer. You know, I really think that it's the practical component that's missing. I'll look at my experience specifically. You know, had I not had a bad uh, testing history or problems with standardized tests, I probably wouldn't have ever looked at the MPTE until those final three months or whatever it is as I'm getting closer to the exam. And I see that that's what the traditional student is having as well. And so what I'm seeing is that students are just uneducated about the MPTE to begin with. And so you don't even have that in your mind frame when you're starting. Think about this really quick. When your teacher uh, or your professor in school, doesn't matter what grade, they say to you, oh, you're going to need to remember this because it is a, it's going to be a cumulative final at the end. You have a different perspective moving through that course because you know that you're going to wind up needing to use this information later on in the future. All right. But when the MPTE is not in really the back of your of your mind or it's not in the forefront, um, what tends to happen is you just go into this memorization mode where you're not focusing on using this information for the future. And yeah, then not applying it. Mm -hmm. No, no. So, Kyle, is there any evidence that shows that the NPTE scores are directly responsible for improving patient safety or patient outcomes? Yeah, I'll be honest with you on that. You know, to my knowledge, there's nothing out there that shows you know, whether, you know, a, a person's gonna be a better therapist or have better outcomes. No, that's interesting. And I know that we've also had a talk about too, about that same thing with the step exams for medicine yeah, as well. So, you know, Kyle, I know our, the focus of our last interview was really focusing on how to be an effective test-taking coach. 
And with that being said, since you've been doing this a little bit more since then, have you found any different or newer effective test-taking strategies that you didn't mention in your prior interview that you think perhaps people should know about? So I have been, you know, as always, studying the MPTE and standardized tests and so forth. And one thing that I've found really interesting is that, you know, when test makers um, or question makers create that question, they are really creating a story, right? And, and it's, this is going to call for you to think about things a little bit differently. But when we are creating a question, we're creating a story and we're truly trying to guide you to a right answer, believe it or not. Right. Um, but really what most people see is that we're guiding you to a fork in the road, two answers that everybody comes down to. And they're like, oh, I come down to these final two and I never know which one. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do as the test maker, though. I'm trying to get you down to those final two and I'm trying to guide you truly to the right answer. But it's up to you to have the knowledge and application skills to complete the puzzle. And so what I've found is a test taking strategy uh, that has worked a lot for the students, you know, over this past year that have passed is looking at things or looking at your questions as far as a story. Somebody's telling you something and guiding you to the right answer. It's up to you to really find and understand what that person's trying to tell you. One last little bit before I get off of this um, topic is just to say that think about when you're writing a story, if you were to write a book or so forth. Uh, the majority of people, I'll say, when you write a book, you write it from beginning to end, chapter one to chapter 10, right? You don't necessarily write it backwards or write chapter five first. Well, it's the same thing that I do when I'm making a question. I write it from chapter one to chapter 10. So follow your questions in a very similar format. Awesome, awesome. Well, Kyle, since you were last on the show, you've had a couple of students go through your program now. Um, what have you learned about mentoring and coaching personally since the last time we chatted? I would say one major thing that's come up a lot has been uh, what is known as a failure cascade. That's a terminology that I've created. And a failure cascade is when someone fails for a specific reason. Um, their first time on an exam and that reason could easily be the fact that they just had a pacing issue right they weren't pacing themselves well that means that they got tired and they weren't focused on the question so they got a lot wrong and that caused them to fail is it because they couldn't apply things no it was it because they didn't have the right test taking strategies no it wasn't because they didn't have the right knowledge or enough of knowledge either but when you get the result back, what's the first thing that you think? If you fail an exam, the first thing that comes to your mind is, I don't have the knowledge, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so what does that person do that had a pacing issue? What they do is they go and dive in the book even harder, right? Mm -hmm. The problem was never knowledge, right? So they take it again, they didn't fix the pacing issue, and they fail again. Right. Okay. So now you failed twice. It never was a knowledge issue. You're still getting that, but now you failed it twice. You're like, oh, it's more knowledge. I have to get more courses. I have to learn more out of my book. But now what's starting to happen is this failure cascade, like I was saying. And that's where you start adding in other factors that are now causing you to fail. It's no longer the pacing anymore. Now it's the anxiety. Right now, it's frustration, negative mindset, all those things. So now you're you're dealing with a beast instead of this little little you know um, animal or however you want to put it that was affecting you originally. Is pacing one of the most common things that you see that kind of starts that cascade, or are there other things that seem to really be the more prevalent? 
things that start that cascade? Yeah, that's a that's a brilliant question. Um, yeah, pacing is um, uh, up there, but it's not the number one. I would actually say the number one is confidence. Okay. Okay. Cool. And you know, for any student who's just listening right now, and maybe they're like, you know what? Maybe it is pacing for me. Yeah. What what were some what are some big time strategies that you found most students have most success with in regards to helping pacing? Beautiful. So, you know, with this specific one, and I talk about this in my podcast, Dominating the MPTE, is this intersection and intersection um, uh, pausing or timeouts. A lot of students, what they do is they run through the exam, they take the little break in the middle, and then they run through the last bit of the exam. Well, your brain's not built to last for that long, right? Or pay attention and answer these questions. You have to take these little breaks in between, even if only for five seconds or 30 seconds, just to like sit back for a second, breathe, and then say, hey, I'm here, I'm present, and then move into the next section. That's super important. Um, One last little bit that really helps out is make sure that you understand that you are also given three unscheduled breaks these test creators make standardized tests for a purpose and there's a reason why we give you unscheduled breaks but very rarely are they used right i know that they still uh, spend your time right you can't pause the exam but we give you the unscheduled breaks for a reason because we know statistically that someone's not able to maintain their focus for that long no that makes a lot of sense so Kyle, I know we asked you this, our signature question that we normally ask every individual on the show, which for those of you who are listening for the first time is, if you could change one aspect of healthcare education, which aspect would you change and how would you change it? Now, on the first time on the show, your original answer was that you'd like to see kind of more reassessment points throughout the PT curriculum in regards to knowledge, comprehension, application, and topics most likely to be on the MPTE. So now, since you've answered that, I gotta go at it and say, what's your second aspect that you would change about education? How would you change it? Yeah, you know what? I would really go back to that same presentation, the same podcast that we had last time, guys. And I spoke about this idea of Bloom's taxonomy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was telling you how I wasn't really exposed to that. Um, Again, we don't necessarily have to make the MPTE like the foundation of our curriculum, but what we need to do and what I want to do and I plan to do is to really force this idea of Bloom's taxonomy and helping to bridge the gap between undergrad thinking and then graduate school thinking, like professional um, education thinking. Because what happens is we jump from undergrad to um, you know our, our PT school training and we're still in this whole rote memorization. I'm just gonna learn things as quickly and as effectively as I can, but all I'm trying to do is just learn as much as I can. Yeah. But we're not trained how to convert our knowledge from Okay, what we read into application and then ap- and, uh, um, analysis as well. And so I think incorporating that Bloom's taxonomy earlier and helping people to understand that bridge is really important. I think that's so critical. I mean, with me being now an adjunct professor within more of an undergraduate role, a common issue that I see and that I also experienced myself when I was an undergrad is that, you know, I want to focus on just getting a good grade because I know that's at the end of the day what's going to get me into school. Right. So then the question becomes do we need to change our candidacy requirements. True. Will that contribute? I don't know. Mm. Mm. And I think we've talked about this on a lot of episodes. The candidacy requirements seem to be shifting toward EQ, yeah. grit scores, yeah. kind of uh, you know, people who show persistency yeah. and 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this shapes out over the next couple of years. Indeed. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for your time. Uh, could you tell our audience where they can find you online and on social media if they want to reach out, follow up with you, or have questions about any of your content? Yeah, of course. Um, you definitely want to check me out on the PTHustle.com. Uh, that's where you can look at all of my one-on-one coaching uh, strategies I have for you. Um, I'm also on Facebook at the PTHustle.com. If you want any help, any additional help with tips and strategies to boost your MPT score, you need to check out my free Facebook group called Smart NPTE Prep. Again, that's Smart NPTE Prep. And also, one of the major things that so many students, PT students, have found just so helpful is my new podcast. It's called NPTE Clinical Files. It's all like question and answer, rationale and teaching. And I think that you'll all get a lot from that. Yeah, I can attest to that listening to a few of them. I definitely think if I was back studying for the exam, I would have found tremendous value in that studying for that. So I really highly value what this guy's put out. You have a course too, correct? I do. I do. I do. I also um, have a course that I provide to students. It's strategy focused. It's focusing on giving you the structure and direction that you need in order to be successful with the NPTE. So if you're looking, if you're that type of like type A student that really needs, okay, what do I need to do? How do I do it? What's step one, step two? Then this is a course for you. It's called NPTE Prep Success Course 2.0. It's available to you, the pthustle.com. Check it out. Awesome, Kyle. Well, again, thank you so much for your time, my man. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare, a telehealth platform, is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.